I welcome all of our Christ Journey family once again, and on this day especially as we conclude the Apocalypse of John, the revelation that he wrote for us with this blessing at the outset. He said to the one who reads, to all who hear, and to those who take this to heart, there's blessing in store. So I'm praying that you would be praying to take this to heart today. Wherever you're connecting with us, online, in your house, in this house, that we would say together, Lord, what we want is for your kingdom to come and for your will to be done. And let's just start right here in my life first. And if you would join me in that prayer, would you just say to the Lord right now, Lord, speak so I can hear you today and then show me the next step you would have me take and I will take it in your name. Amen. Amen. Um, well, it pretty much came and went as a non-event that was overshadowed like everything else by COVID in the past several years. It was April 2020. And the Hubble Space Telescope celebrated 30 years of operation. 175,000 plus orbits or yeah, orbits so far around the Earth, 340 miles above the Earth, taking pictures of images in deep space. And the goal there was um, to, uh, to put an eye in the sky above Earth's atmosphere so we could get high-resolution images of faraway objects. I mean, way beyond what any ground telescope could see. And after years of delay in the project, it was finally launched aboard Space Shuttle Discovery. <laughs> and then when the images came in, oh my, instead of being clear and crisp and information rich with, uh, with observable clarity, they were diffused and foggy and murky and uh, disappointing. I mean, even NASA was embarrassed about it. Um, maybe you remember that it became fodder for late night comedians. I remember Jay Leno saying, hey, maybe the images are supposed to be fuzzy. You know, like the, the images of what's out there is fuzzy. Well, I'm bringing that up because um, maybe you felt a little bit disappointed during our Revelation study. I don't know, but maybe. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe you came into this series with this high expectation that, oh man, we're going to bring what's way out there right down here and make it crystal clear with observable clarity, uh, make sense of what is otherwise the unknown heavenly uh, mysteries. Maybe you have a reason to feel that way. Maybe this is your very first time to read literally the revelation. Maybe this is your very first time to hear it read like it has told us there's blessing when you hear it read and then you pay attention to what it has to say for you in it. Many people avoid the book of Revelation for whatever reason. But here's the thing. You've been with us during this series. I'm telling you, we've been in it. You've been in it and we've read every word out loud so you know what's in there. And maybe you're still feeling like it's not clear, it's fuzzy, it's disappointing. I'm still a little bit foggy about it. Thought it was going to be something else. Can I say that out loud here? Um, I'm thinking of a story in my Arizona days. You know, I was raised in Arizona, and um, 
There's a story told of an old Native American chief who attended church for the very first time and heard his first sermon ever and then was asked, well, what'd you think? And he said, big thunder, much cloud, no rain. <laughs> maybe you're familiar with sermons like that. I am. And maybe you feel like something's missing. Something's missing somewhere. Like maybe, hey, why haven't I mentioned what for many in America especially, thanks to fictional and novels and media, is the most spectacular feature of modern Christian eschatology. That word simply means the study of the last days. What am I talking about? The rapture. The rapture. Have you wondered, hey, when's the pastor going to mention the rapture? I mean, actually, I've mentioned it twice, actually three times, I believe, in the series as we studied through the Revelation. Actually, and here's the other thing. You've heard every word that's been said in there, right? Didn't you see it? I mean, you've heard every single word in the book of Revelation. Didn't you see it? Now, that's not a trick question. Um, the reason you didn't see it was such in such a way as to be unmistakably clear is because it's not featured that way in the book of Revelation so that it would be unmistakably clear. The Revelation, as we've said, isn't mentioned or isn't written to meet our curiosity, but rather to unveil God's chosen reveal. And God's choice is mystery. In the Revelation, God's choice is mystery. And my choice has been to be as true and faithful to his word in the revelation as possible. Not add to it from the outside, not take away from it on the inside, but to be true and faithful to it, and then offer, and we're flying over at a helicopter height, we said. You know, we're not just doing a way up there, and we're not into the weeds on everything either, but we're paying attention to the big pieces. And then after we read through it, I'm offering a few humble suggestions to try to resist at the same time connecting all the dots to clarify some human framework of understanding which may or may not be completely accurate. And I've mentioned that to you before. In the study of this, that deeply committed, highly astute Bible scholars come to dif divergent conclusions on the meaning of some of the symbols that are in the Revelation. And... Um, one area of disagreement is about the rapture. Now listen to me, not if it's going to happen. There's no disagreement on that, not if it's going to happen, but when. When is it going to happen? Is it pre-trib, is it mid-trib, is it post-trib? You know, or some believe that we're in the tribulation right now. Some believe that the tribulation won't really happen in earnest until the rapture takes place. And then others believe that the tribulation, the rapture, and the second coming of Christ happen in the same experience. That we're taken out and the initial uh, eternal destiny, the, the final things are immediately initiated. Whatever the tribulation is at the time. Now, that's what's in Revelation. But there are some very clear texts in the New Testament that speak to what is called the rapture, though you'll never find that word in the New Testament. It speaks about a catching up 
And here's the text that speaks about it. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 15. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep, those who have died. For the Lord will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so will we be with the Lord forever. That's a very clear text. Paul writes again very clearly, 1 Corinthians 15, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood, these bodies, they cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable, those of us who have a shelf life, we're going to die That doesn't inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. There's that word again. Mystery. That means we don't have all the answers, but I'm telling you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. Powerful, clear text about the fact that Christ has risen and so will we one day. And so not only has Jesus gone to prepare a place for us, Jesus is preparing a place for us, but he, when he comes again, is going to prepare us for that place with new eternal bodies. That's another message for another time, not today. But when Jesus spoke about the second coming and the end of the age, what did he say? Matthew chapter 24. About that day or hour, no one knows. Not the angels in heaven. That includes the angels that toured John around in his vision. They didn't know. Not the Son. But only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days of Noah... The days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, just going on about their business, but it was all horizontal, a lot of flatlanders, everybody's looking at each other, nobody's really looking up. Right up to the day that Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be. This is Jesus speaking, Jesus of Nazareth. This is how it will be. At the coming of the Son of Man, two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the hand mill, and one will be taken, and the other left. So, what's the bottom line? Jesus says, Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Stay ready, be ready, keep watch. Don't be caught by surprise. And then, just in case, The guys, the followers, didn't get it clear. Jesus, now resurrected, is ascending before their eyes, and we have this quote, because they ask him, hey, is this the time you're going to restore the kingdom? And what does Jesus say? It is not for you to know the dates and the times which the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and then you're going to be my witnesses 
to the ends of the earth. Jesus told his disciples, following that, my understanding is this is where the Great Commission was shared. Now, you go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe everything I've taught you. You know, until I come again, you got everything you need right there, and then go baptize. But those seven little words, it is not for you to know. Those are not always happy words when they come my way. Especially when the Lord is telling me, you know, I'm, Bill, you're on a need-to-know basis. <laughs> and I don't, you don't need to know right now. You know, it is not for you to know. This is Jesus' way of saying some things are not yours to know. And we may be curious, and we may want to know, and we might want to fill in the blanks in our charts and stuff, but this is Jesus' way of saying some things are just going to be fuzzy to you. And yet at the same time, he said, and some things are crystal clear. Your job is to know the difference, to know which is which, and then apply yourself to the things that matter. It's like, remember, God's ways are higher than your ways, and so why don't we just let God be God, and then you be you, and you do what God wants you to do. What does God want me to do? Follow me, and then bear witness in a world in need. And what we've learned is that God is saying, I am a God of justice, but I am a God of love, and I am extremely patient, and before I roll out the final justice to its nth degree, I am loving you all the way to the cross, all the way to the grave, all the way to open a way and then give my spirit to you until I come again for you. And so, in love, we're to uh, keep our eyes on Christ. So, in Revelation, we've come through chapter after chapter of God's justice. Now we've come to the last two chapters of the Revelation, and we saw last week the welcome to the bride of Christ, and then this amazing heavenly New Jerusalem city where we uh, are engaged in the uh, activities of eternal impact together. Heaven, the introduced the introduction to heaven. Uh, by the way, the word heaven appears 284 times in the New Testament. This is not a passing thought, not a passing fancy. It is the reality of eternity shared with God forever that Christ is preparing us for even as he prepares the place. And today we come to chapter 22, the final chapter in the entire scripture the Word of God, where we, sit, we celebrate the incomparable garden in the, right there by the heavenly city. Would you stand with me as we read from chapter 22? And at home, too, please. Let's all stand together. Why do we stand? Because it's body language. We're telling our mind, pay attention in a new way. Stay fresh, stay clear, be ready. And here's the question to ask yourself. God, if you have something for me to hear here, something that I could do because of what you're wanting to tell me, then I'm paying attention. I don't want to miss the blessing. That's why we're standing. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. And on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree 
are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city. And his servants will serve him and they will see him, see his face. And his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not lead the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. And the angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. Please be seated. So the Bible story of human beings, the Bible story of human beings and God ends where it first began, in a lush, life-thriving garden. And it's so full of life that its river sparkles, crystal sparkles with living water. You know, we, we in Florida, we know about Ponce de Leon looking for the fountain of youth. This is the spot right here. Found it. And on both sides of this river of life is the tree of life. I mean, that's a, that's a big tree. It's all the way sprawled across the river that is being that is fueling the tree, and this tree is so life-giving, so vibrant, that it bears fruit for harvest 12 months a year. Every month, there's a harvest coming off of this tree. Now, we remember that we're speaking symbolically because John's being invited to stretch his imagination all the way to its limits and then beyond as God's trying to put into language we can understand something about what's this going to be like. So it bears fruit every month for harvest. Its leaves are full of healing for the health of everybody, anybody, all nations within reach. And this tree that sin had separated Adam and Eve and all their offspring from, now God has restored to provide eternal sustenance. Now we know among the essentials, there are three basics that uh, are required for, to sustain life as we know it. Water, food, and health, and right here in the vision, God is showing us these symbols are, are being richly provided for us to be perpetually and eternally renewed, restored, nurtured, and cared for. In other words, the bottom line of the vision is, in him you lack nothing that you need. If the question was this, well, how can human beings live forever? Here's the answer right here. The answer is flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. And by the way, from here out, the throne is always referred to as the throne of God and the Lamb. God and the Lamb. God and the Lamb. And so nurtured by God and the Lamb and fueled by the living water and the tree that is, that is feeding our souls, the curse is no more. We can't even imagine what that means. But part of what it means is that we serve we serve God, we're active, we're energized, we're enthused by his strength. God's strength is the strength we're serving by. And then it says that, um, that we see his face. Moses was told that no human can see the face of God and live, but now 
on the other side, in the eternal garden, God wants you looking him in the face. Wants you seeing from his eyes as his heart speaks his love and power into your life. Through God and the Lamb, we now have the longings of our hearts met as we gaze into the face of God. Now, my understanding of these symbols is that God God is trying to tell us that heaven is a place of perfect provision where you will lack nothing regarding your needs forever. That heaven is a place of perfect service to our God. We're not floating around on clouds plucking harps. We are actively engaged where the image of the God in whose image we have been made is now fully released and activated in our service, in our impact. We will reign with him forever, it says. And then the longings of our heart. Perfect fellowship with our God because of the Lamb. And so now we stand for the final reading. The final verses that we find in the revelation that concludes the word of God as we see it written in Scripture. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things which must soon take place. Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things, and when I had heard them and seen them, I fell down at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, don't do that. I'm a fellow servant with you, with your brother the prophets. And all those who keep the words of this book worship God. And then he told me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book because the time is near. Let him who does what's wrong continue to do what is wrong. Let him who is vile continue to be vile. Let him who does right continue to do right. And let him who is holy continue to be holy. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. 
whoever is thirsty, let them come. And whoever wishes, let them take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the book of this prophecy, God will take away from his share, him, his share in the tree of life and the holy sitter, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen? Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, okay. Some things we still don't know. I mean, I, I want to read the Scripture with the declared authority of God, but I'm just telling you, there's some things we still don't know. Some things are still fuzzy. Okay, but here's the, here's the rest of that story. Some things are crystal clear. And we're supposed to be paying close enough attention to know which is which so that we will pay attention to the ones that matter and then be faithful and focused on that and then learn how to be humble about the things where there are still question marks. What do we know for sure? What's clear? Jesus is coming. How many times have we heard Jesus is coming? We haven't seen the last of Jesus Christ. And when he does, the dead in Christ will rise. They will be transformed to be with him in the air because these bodies aren't built to handle forever, but he's going to give us one that is. And then my belief is he will then fill full the expectations of millennium, of the final judgment and the eternal destinies. I got question marks as to when and how and all of that, but I think that's going to happen rolling out from there. Jesus is coming, and we're supposed to be ready. One of the questions that you wanted to know is, what are the signs of the end early in the series? Well, I'll give you five summary signs of the end that come from Jesus' words in Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark 13, and then the revelation to Paul that he received when he wrote in 2 Timothy 3. Five key signs to watch for. Number one, great spiritual deception. Lots of false teaching, lots of false Christs, lots of false options, lots of false things being said in the name of God. And people succumb to it because they're so hungry for somebody to give us hope and show us the way forward. Then natural disaster, great widespread natural disasters, earthquakes, Jesus said, famines, pestilence, that means viral disease, and then international discord and destruction, murderous unleashing, wars, rumors of wars, etc. You're familiar with that. Um, And of course, right now, not just including the wars we know in the Middle East and the Eastern Europe, there are 20 wars that are being fought on our planet right now. Jesus said moral decay and decadence would be corrupting on every hand. He said, Jesus said, the increase of wickedness would be so great that the love of many would be going cold. So what's in is now out. What's out is in. What's right is wrong. What's wrong is right. 
And it's all upside down, but it's causing some people to lose their bearings and lose their heart and lose their desire to even keep going on. Lose their hope. And then emotional distress, speaking of lost hope. Jesus said that the intensity would be such that many would fail to want to go on living. And so my view, (laughs) of course I could be wrong. Every time I speak, I could be wrong, but I'm telling you the signs are telling. They're happening. They're everywhere right now. And I think the signs are telling us what Jesus said. When you see these things happening, lift up your head. Your redemption is drawing nigh. If there's a time to be ready, a time to be focused, it's now. So make your decision to get ready and be ready, and then keep watch. This is what he said. Many things may be fuzzy. We may not get it all clear, but Jesus is pretty clear on this. He said, therefore, keep watch, be ready. What does that mean? It means get focused on what matters and then stay faithful to what matters. Okay, what matters? Well, what did Jesus tell his leaders right as he was leaving? Here's what matters. You need to make disciples, baptize them, and then teach them to observe. Teach them to follow me because you'll, that's how I will stay with you. You will stay with me. My spirit will come. You will be empowered until I come back. So that's what matters. Make disciples and baptize them. Teach them to follow me. Daily discipleship is the way you make your preparations for the second coming of Jesus Christ. Walking with God in prayer and in his word every day. Staying connected in group with others that you are sharpening and strengthening and sharing the load with in group. Just like Jesus had 12 and had three, you need to have a group as well that encourages you that you walk with. Worshiping weekly with Christ's family in the body where he inhabits the praises of his people and we feel the encouragement of shared faith and then staying on mission to help others find and follow Christ as well and as we're on mission we, we do everything we can not simply to escape this broken planet but to portray the healing of our Savior in the midst of all the brokenness where we find ourselves that's discipleship and do you know what the mark of discipleship is? Maybe you heard of the mark of the beast. Do you know what the mark of the discipleship is? That's what Jesus told us. Make sure everybody has this mark on them. It's baptism. Water baptism. Jesus said, I want you to teach them to follow me and then baptize them and then help them grow as they're on their way in mission. So who can be baptized? Well, what is baptism? Let me start there. What is baptism? Baptism is simply immersion in water representing the grave where Jesus, after he was crucified, he, was, he died, he was buried, and then he rose from the dead. And so we baptize by immersion. We put people underwater into a water grave. It's a symbol that we say, we're with Jesus. <laughs> whatever else happens in this world, whatever else happens in this life, we're with Jesus. We're going to follow him. He came all the way to the death for us, and we want to be ready to live for him until he comes. And so here's the thing. Well, who can be baptized? Anybody who has trusted Jesus and the forgiveness of sins. It's not a matter of getting your act together. It's not a matter of making promises to God that you, I mean, I knew I couldn't keep them. God's not looking for a promise from me to be perfect. He just said, I want you to walk with me. The first stop is going to be in the waters of baptism. So will you take that step of faith? 
So if you have prayed a prayer like this, Lord Jesus, come into my life, forgive my sin, make me the person you want me to be. You know, you're the potter, I'm the clay, you're giving me shape. As I follow you by faith, if you have prayed a prayer like that, then you're qualified to be baptized. If you've turned from seeking to do life all by yourself, and now you're seeking to follow him forward, then you can be baptized. And you know what else? You could do it today. In fact, Pastor Ryan is in the baptistry right now. Are you, are you up there, Ryan? Hello. Hey, there he is. <laughs> you know why he's up there? Because we're going to call people to do what Jesus said to do right now. And because many people over the past 10, 11 weeks, when I have offered a prayer and said, if you just prayed with me to receive Jesus Christ and would let me ask God's blessing upon your steps of obedience and your next steps of, of faith, would you raise your hand? You have heard me. Haven't you? Saying, there, 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 there. Well, Jesus wants you to do more than raise your hand. <laughs> he wants you to be baptized. And you're saying, well, who's going to get baptized today? I haven't a clue. I do not know. I really don't. But I'm praying that everybody who prayed with me at the beginning to say, Lord, if you got something for me today, I don't want to miss it. This may be it. Well, I didn't come in here thinking about being baptized. Well, maybe God was thinking about that. I thought today's going to be your day. And I want you to walk with me into the waters of baptism. And so I'm giving the call right now. It's your decision. It's a step of faith where you go public with Jesus because he was publicly on that cross for you and then rose from the dead and then came to you, called your name and said, can I come in? And you said yes. And now he's saying, let others know. So I want to invite you, if you've trusted Christ in the forgiveness of sin and you've never been baptized yet, there's no power in the water to wash away sin, but there's the power of obedience that has blessing in it. Take this to heart. And we're going to sing a little bit. And I'm going to invite us, in one, in one moment, I'm going to say, let's stand together. But as we stand, some of you already know that I'm talking to you. I don't know who I'm talking to, but you do. And so here's what I want to invite you to do. When we stand in one motion, then you just say, excuse me, God's, I got an appointment with Jesus. And I, I didn't know I had it, but he just let me know, and I don't want to miss it. And so what we're going to do is make room, and we're going to celebrate the blessing, and then we're going to get in on it too. Come to the waters, he says. Come to the waters. So do you understand what we're doing? If you have trusted Christ, but you have not yet been baptized, even if you haven't raised your hand, but you've trusted him, and he's told you, this is what I want you to do, then today's the day. Today's the day. And here's what's going to happen. You're wondering, well, what does that mean? What's going to happen? Okay, well, you're going to walk up these steps on either side of me, and then Addis right here, happy Addis, is going to show you the way through the back up the stairwell to where there are private dressing areas and where we have dark clothes like Ryan is wearing right now that are ready for you, and then thirsty towels, 
in dressing area that you can, you know, do your hair. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't think we have a place where people can do their hair. Um, but, but we have a lot of friendly people who are ready to celebrate with you. And I bet if you came with somebody, they would be so happy to wait and pray and be here for you too. So I don't know what's about to happen, but could we just say, Lord, would you show up and we'll follow you? So let's do this. Let's, let's stand together, and as we stand, you come. Just say, excuse me, I'm going I'm to come right on, and then let's, uh, let's sing, Lance. And as we sing, come. Let the Spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come.